1: So, a couple things to address, and again, I do want to kind of go through a little bit more in details. I've had a couple different questions and a couple different comments, and I kind of want to just rip through that. By the way, I have already gone upstairs to tell the children to please keep it down, and um, I'm failing in that regard. Kids, for some reason, are just super jacked up. The baby is just super hyper. The dog is going nuts and barking. The dog very rarely barks, but um, they're in in rare form today. I don't know, so... um, one of those things where I want to reserve going up a second time, because going up a second time means I got to take it to another level of scary dad, and I, don't, I just, I'm not in the mood. I'm, I'm, everything's fine. Kids are in a good mood. I don't want to get all mad and all that stuff, so I'll give them a chance to just calm down. It's one of those things, though, man, you, you can't, you can't not listen to dad, you know what I mean? Like, if dad says, hey, do this, and they're like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> You let them get away with that and you lost your house. I'm just saying, it's over. So I'm gonna pretend I don't hear anything for a little while and we'll see how it goes. Parenting is hard, man, you know? It's like, I thought it would be a lot easier. It's not easy. Um. Anyway, so one of the things I wanted to touch on, and I think if you've been listening for long enough, you kind of recognize this, but I figure I'll just open it up to everybody because I know when one person sends out a message, a lot more than that one person are thinking it. So John hit me up on Twitter and was not happy that I spent half the episode, well, half the episode, half of the half talking about the Bears, half of the half uh, trashing Packer fans. Um, His comment, not sure if insulting your entire fan base was a sound marketing move. 30 minutes in and nothing out of it, but Bears hate and ripping fans, which why would Bears hate bother anyone? But whatever. Here's the thing. There's only two ways about this. There's a couple different things. There's only two ways that I can run this podcast. I can tell you exactly how I feel, what I feel, and exactly how and in what capacity I feel it, and give you exactly what I'm thinking at exactly that moment. Or I can be very measured and try to make sure that I don't ever step on anybody's toes. I mean, I got Bears fans that listen to this podcast. I could be very, very polite about the Bears. I got Vikings fans, Lions fans, uh, and of course, lots and lots of Packers fans. We've got Republicans and Democrats. We got men. We got women. We got whites and Asians and blacks and Mexicans and Colombians and Nicaraguans. And I can sit here and try to measure every single word and every single thing I say to make sure that everybody has the most comfortable experience in the world. Or I'm just going to tell you how I think. And if you don't like it, you can stop listening. I kind of like the second one. It's my podcast. This podcast is a place for me to just say, here's what I think. And if you like it, you can tune in and hang out with me. And we can just have a conversation. If you don't like it... You don't have to listen. And as I told John, so far it's been working out quite well for me. And to be honest, that's kind of the appeal of podcasts. And granted, yeah, I guarantee you, a lot of people don't listen to me because of something I said at some point. Comes with the territory. But at the same time, you got other podcasters that don't ever say anything, and they just kind of keep it very vanilla, and people don't like it for that reason. They toe the company line, or they're always negative, or always People are going to not like whatever, so you might as well just be yourself. Because authenticity is what podcasts are about, anyways. So that's just the reality. And the fact of the matter is, and and it's kind of telling that John never. Um, and again, he's just saying I don't think it was a smart move. I'm guessing he was offended by it, but he didn't say that. He just said it wasn't a good marketing move. So fine. First of all, I don't know if I necessarily agree. Some of the times when I'm the most controversial is when things really ramp up in the positive for me. And so I try to just stay away from that because I don't want to just be a shock jock, which shouldn't surprise anybody because shock jocks are the ones that make all the money. And now I can see why. Because if I come on here and say something super controversial, lots of people, that's when I get all the messages. This, you're awesome, you kill it, you're so honest, I get way more donations, I get all... People go nuts. But again, I'm not just doing it for doing it. I just it and I usually hate when that happens because I know I'm going to get a bunch of negative stuff and I hate that. Andy, why do you keep sending me this stupid gr- I'm not joining the Facebook group. I'm going to kick you at work tomorrow. Why are you doing this? Some motorcycle group. I don't care. Get out of my face. I don't ride motorcycles. But anyways, the the one thing that he omitted was the part where I was incorrect. And so the fact of the matter is what I'm saying is true. And if people just don't like it, I don't care you have to stop. I'm sorry, I don't ascribe to the ideology that everybody's choices are correct and everybody should be accepted for every single thing that they choose to do. That's silliness, right? If you have a drinking problem and I tell you to stop drinking and that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, but it's also true and you should probably knock it off. If you're doing things that actively distract our team while they're on the field— I'm going to tell you to knock it off. This is a Green Bay Packers podcast. The entire point of this podcast is to celebrate and get excited about the Green Bay Packers, and you're hurting the team that I like. And so, yeah, I don't care if you have a Green Bay Packers jersey on while you do it, and I don't care if your great-granddad did it. You need to stop it. You're a grown-up. You're not a child. You don't need to do the wave. So, again, I'm sorry if some Packer fans got their feelings hurt, and I'm sorry if some Packer fans don't want to listen anymore because it hurt you so deeply that you would no longer want to listen to this podcast because, you know, you just love the wave so much that I just I can't even listen to that guy anymore. He said the wave was bad. He said that we shouldn't be cheering so that the quarterback can't even hear in his helmet uh, when it's a critical third down. And he's trying to communicate to the rest of the offensive line, the wide receivers, the running back, and nobody can hear because we're screaming go, pack, go at the top of our lungs. And we just love doing that so much. How dare you tell me to stop? Here's here's a novel idea. If what I'm saying makes you feel stupid rather than getting mad at me, stop doing the thing that makes you feel stupid because it's not me. I'm not doing it. I'm not forcing you to do something that makes you feel silly. Just don't do it anymore. Why would you come at me? I'm not incorrect. The entire football team is telling you to stop doing it. The, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers is begging and pleading with fans to please stop doing this. This is not up for debate. This is not a question. You are harming our football team and hindering their ability to win football games, and I'm telling you to knock it off. It's not a debate or a discussion. Just stop it. It doesn't have to go any further than this. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, nobody wants you to do this. Nobody. Everybody in the stands thinks you're a dummy, aside from the people that are participating. The Green Bay Packers on the field, Aaron Rodgers is looking up at you saying, I hate you. The head coach is throwing his hands up saying, these guys are idiots. They're not going to go to the podium and say that, right? That's why he prefaced it. I, just so you know, I think you guys are the greatest fans in the world and, and that whole thing. But, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, guys, uh, maybe. <laughs> it's childish. It's silly. And it's not complicated. You can do this. You'll figure it out. I'll be honest, when I said all this, I assumed everybody listening to this podcast, at least 99.9% of you already understood this concept. And the vast majority of the people, again, that do this kind of thing, they don't really know, because maybe it's not intuitive, fine, but they don't know because they're not on Twitter, where people say it every five seconds, please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop. They're not listening to podcasts, where I guarantee you this isn't the only podcast. I promise you. I don't really listen to a lot of other Packers podcasts, but I would be stunned if Bukowski- and Myrdink and the, the folks over at Packaday, and everybody else, didn't at some point say, please stop. Everybody's doing it. So my assumption is, these are just people that are not on social media and listening to podcasts. If you are listening, and you hear my voice, just stop. We're good. We don't have to fight. It doesn't have to be a big thing, right? I'm not attacking you as a human being. There's nothing in your DNA that I'm mad at. It's just an activity you're participating in that is problematic, and you got to stop and that's it. And if that's attacking the fan base, well, then I'm sorry. I'm I'm attacking a behavior. And everybody that does that behavior, yes, I'm absolutely attacking them. And the people that are not doing that behavior, I'm not attacking them. So again, if Shirley at the stadium was doing it yesterday, but doesn't do it tomorrow, I don't have a problem with Shirley. It's not the individual. It's not the person. It's not even the fan base. It's a behavior that some people participate in that has to stop. And it's a ridiculous thing that we have to even say these things. And I in no way, in no way, feel even a little bit bad about saying it. And the only reason I'm coming in so hot is because I'm just bored with it. I'm tired. It's so, it's it's embarrassing that we have to beg and plead and the head coach has to think of like creative ways to put it up on the billboard. Please make noise. Please be quiet. Please stop doing the wave when we're trying to get a first down. Here's an idea. How about if you sit really close to the Packers bench, have you tried pepper spray? Just start spraying it at our players. See how it goes. It might be kind of fun. It'll be like flares, except it's pepper spray and it'll blind them. Jeez. Well, you shouldn't talk down to them. That's part of the, what, they they like pepper spray. (laughs) Get out of my face. So yeah, I, I don't care. Scott just messaged me. He wants to know how the pork turned out. Pork turned out great, man. It was good. It was very good. Made a chip dip. I, I, so I found this ancient recipe that my family used to make. And everybody forgot about it, but I never forgot because they changed it to basically like a queso and it's just, it's nowhere near the same. Finally, after, because if you, if you look for chip dip, apparently there's only two dips in the world. There's queso and then there's the buffalo chicken. I scour the universe and those are the only two that ever pop up. And there's like different kinds of queso or whatever, you know, I'll use this cheese and I use this much tomato and I use onion. I don't use onion. Nah, man. Nah, man. This is the dip. I'm telling you. I can't tell you what it is because, you know secret family recipe, apparently. <laughs> Actually, it's not because I found it online, but I had to dig, man. It was real good. So I made pork. I made the Zupa Toscana. I made the chip dip. What else did I make? Oh, fruit salad. And uh, that was it. That was my day. Good day. Great day. Anyways, um, so <laughs> I hate to just redo the entire episode yesterday, but I wanted to play something. This was sent to me. Twitter Twitter's feeding a bunch of my uh, my stuff here. Um, but Sir Edward sent me something. He said, Pack Daddy, the Bears uh, are already in panic mode and for good reasons. Skip the intro. Give it a few minutes. We should be thankful. So I'm going to play this for you. I don't know. I I always feel like I'm being lazy, but I I really enjoyed it. And it also was kind of nice to hear a bit. This is, by the way, this is how I remember Bears fans. They're hypercritical people. Remember yesterday when I just said that it's such so uncharacteristic of Bears fans to be super optimistic with nothing there. They're usually very negative. These guys just, they brought me home, man. It was just like being at home Getting that Portillo's hot dog or the Chicago style pizza or what—it just it felt like home. Just the the complaining and the anger, which maybe that's where I get it from. I'm just I have the passion and the anger of a Bears fan, having grown up in Chicago or in the Chicago area. I always hate when people say they grew up in Chicago and they didn't, and how I just did it. But anyways, I am going to play this for you. I don't know exactly how long to play it out, but um, it's actually it's it's different. It's not necessarily about Justin Fields. I think he brings up a fantastic point, and I want to give him credit. Um, this is, if I may, click on this here for a second. TTNL is the uh, the thing. It's uh, the tape never lies is what their their thing is, and I, I think one of the guys is a coach. I don't know, but the coach is the guy that's going to go on a rant. He is furious, and as I was listening to him, first of all, I love it because that these guys that they have a real good perspective. Obviously, they know they have some good players, they understand things, but just what he has to say, I think, is brilliant, and he, and he's right, and it kind of goes to a different angle of. Pace and Nagy. And in this case, it's Nagy. And just what a terrible job he did. And he just, I don't know. Again, he brought up some really great points. So I'm going to play it. At some point, I'll stop it. I'm going to have to figure out how to put some bleeps in here because the guy's got some, some language. But um, then we'll talk about it. But it'll be enjoyable because it's Bears fans who are just furious about the state of the Bears. And it's that's always fun for Packer fans to listen to.
0: What's up, Shane? I mean, guys, here it is in a nutshell. You know, I come from football... And football is my life, so when I, everybody's going to have their opinions, so I'm going to share my rant. As a coach, I believe you prepare the entire football team to play a game. So with that and the whole understanding that there is a Justin Fields on the roster that's like got this electricity to him and you saw it in the first week and you know it since you've drafted him that he's going to be the franchise signal caller with the blame you put on Mitch and everything became the perfect storm of stupidity when it comes to coach Nagy because he doesn't have his team prepared. The, The team is a reflection of a head coach. My father taught me that as I took the controls to be a head coach so to put andy dalton out there without your starters mooney alan f- robinson sitting over there De- david montgomery i don't care two series you go out there and you prepare your football team this is the same kind of sh- as bubble wrap gate Two years ago with Mitch, all the starters, let's drive golf carts out there to play a football game in front of your fans. I don't care what anybody else says here. I'm telling you, you prepare this football team to go out there because business decisions are unacceptable from Eddie to Robert Quinn, to the offensive tackles, to the running backs, to the offensive linemen, to the special team. special teams, special teams. You could have Special Olympics out there and seen better effort. The reality is, this is a wake-up call. Unfortunately, this isn't Matt Nagy's first go-round. This isn't. That's why it's so disappointing. And it's unfair to Andy Dalton. It's unfair. It's unfair to the entire football team, and it's unfair to the city of Chicago. And this is what I said. You're going to have the Ross Tuckers and all these other... About Charles Leno. He's gone. He sucks. He sucks in Washington. That story's over, but it's gonna be another story. It's gonna be another story, right? Because you got the worst story that everybody's overlooking except this network, and that's Matt Nagy. He's in way over his head. You are not the play caller. You are not the play caller. You heard it hear it in Bears Hour Live Open. Focus on being the head coach focus on being the leader of men you're gonna come out here and laugh and explain away an embarrassment i don't care it's the second preseason game no get your guys out there for two series two playing with fire and passion the crowd is chanting we want justin we want justin the city is booing Fairly or not, Andy Dalton, and you know who's responsible? The bald-headed of negativity. That's who's responsible, because he's not prepared. This moment is big. It's big because you know somebody's waiting in the the, the batter's box. That's a home run hitter, and that's Justin Fields. So you're setting up Andy and your whole freaking team to fail because you're not putting your out there you think it's fair to Andy it's not it's not and it f- crumbled over toppled over backwards because you got overwhelmed by the Buffalo Bills at home and granted this is preseason this doesn't count this is a glorified scrimmage but I'm just telling I'm speaking to him Matt Nagy is a horrible head coach he's got Horrible preparation. We all know my father's talked about it. We've had Olin Kruz talk about it. We've had every analyst that speaks truth of Steve Edwards talking about it. He just throws plays up there, and nothing goes against and counters whatever play you have. So trips right one play, eye formation the next, bubble screen over here. Let's throw let's throw curls, curls, curls. I said in my I get so frustrated. The city of Chicago, Lawrence Funk, he had a chair for Matt Nagy's curls. Let's do curls all day. Attack down the field. Don't run with a 30-year-old running back, like Shane said. Get one, two care first series. Give it to Damien. Get David Montgomery out there if he's not hurt. Then take them out. This is what you do. You prepare your team for the season. Now you're you're way behind. You are overwhelmed. You are embarrassed. And now you, as a head coach, have the responsibility to turn this around. How you're going to do it is because of your piss poor planning.
1: So I'll admit, there's a there's a bit of self indulgence there, where it just felt good to hear a Bears fan, an honest Bears fan, give an honest assessment. But but honestly, it really was a good insight, and it's kind of cool when. You kind of step into their world, you know. I, I I touch on the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions and the Saints and these things here and there, and I generally keep track. But obviously, I live and breathe Green Bay Packers in a different way than I do other teams, and so these guys do the same thing with the Bears. And so it's it's they have obviously very in depth perspectives. Here here's a thought though. Um, and remember, I, I we we kind of talked about how he botched this whole Justin Fields thing. And, and even before that, they had foals. Remember, so, and this, again, this is my perspective on it, but the whole thing was so weird. The amount of desperation they had, and for good reason, Pace and Nagy are on the verge of getting fired. This is their last opportunity. They gave him one last shot. They're desperate because they know if they don't find a quarterback, they're done. It's another big part of the reason why I'm skeptical of Justin Fields despite the optimism. And again, it's nothing from from me. I think he looked great in college. I really liked him in college, the whole thing. But part of the concern I would have, if I'm a Bears fan, is the desperation. The desperation they had to get Russell Wilson, which fell through. The desperation they had to get um, Deshaun Watson, which obviously fell through because of his whole legal situation. Desperation. And so what did they do? They turned to Andy Dalton, who was horrific. I I I wouldn't say I really like Andy Dalton, but I, I there was a period where I thought he was a little underrated when he was with the Bengals. He did a good job. I mean, from a statistical standpoint, he distributed the ball. When he and A.J. Green were humming, man, that was a pretty good duo. That dog, I tell you what. But he went over to Dallas, and, I mean, just, it was an absolute disaster. A disaster. It was horrific. And so we kind of got down to the the wire here where... They were almost desperate in getting Andy Dalton, so much so that they had two veterans, Dalton and Foles, and I would argue, and maybe I'm wildly mistaken, but I would argue it's at least debatable that Andy Dalton is a clear, clearly a better quarterback. I think recently, Foles has been a better quarterback. Now, Maybe he would have won the competition, I don't know, But the, but the crazy thing is they were so desperate, apparently in this negotiation process... Andy Dalton wanted to go somewhere where he would be a starter, and so they promised him he would win the job, despite the fact that Foles is there, and you guys are basically both uh, veteran backups at this point, you win the job no matter what, you have my word. And so Foles loses the job, getting no opportunity to defend his title or to even compete for the job, and the Bears really handcuffed themselves By taking Foles out of the equation and just replacing him with Dalton, who doesn't seem to be much better. But I I don't, again, the whole thing is just such a mess. And this is more pace than Nagy, but whatever. Then Foles, excuse me, Fields falls in the draft, which again is uncharacteristic, but a lot of guys fall... And we're always wondering why, and then usually you find out why. There are guys who are first-round prospects or second-round prospects, presumably, at least by the draft industrial complex, if you will, that fall to the fourth, fifth, sixth round, and it's like, everybody says, this guy's a great steal. Usually they're not steals, they just suck, and we didn't see it, but the NFL sees it. Fields falls, and there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, and they're like, nah, I'm good. They take Trevor, they don't take Fields. They take Zach, they don't take Fields. They take Trey Lance, they don't take Fields. And Fields not only doesn't go in the top three, he doesn't go in the top five, he doesn't go in the top ten. But who gets him? The Bears. The team that is so unbelievably psychotically desperate for a quarterback, which doesn't instill a lot of confidence. And it doesn't mean automatically that Fields is going to be bad, but it does point to a team that possibly would be willing to overlook whatever flaws all these other teams are looking at. Which again, I don't see them, I don't know what they are, but I'm not at the level of what these other guys are and all their staff who do nothing but evaluate football talent at the college level. So they're desperate. They trade up and they draft Fields, right? So the whole thing is kind of a mess. On top of that, they already promised Dalton. So even after they get him and everybody's like, well, Fields is going to start day one automatically, right? That's just a given. They said, no, Dalton is our guy, guaranteed. So again, they don't even give Fields the opportunity to prove he can be the guy because they gave him the word. And then he, he walked that back and said, I never promised him I just said he would be or something stupid like that. It was the most ridiculous comment. I don't remember what it was, but it was something to that effect. It's like, we didn't promise him, but we, we told him that he would be, but it, I never promised him anything. It's like, okay, that's kind of a promise, but, but I guess we'll, we'll do the semantics thing. And, and so the reason that I'm, I'm kind of giving this whole backstory is because of, as this fine gentleman is pointing out, what a terrible job they do of just leading properly. Because at the end of the day, there's more to football than just the X's and O's and even the accumulation of talent. There's a way of going about doing things. And again, Foles never had the opportunity to even compete. And by the way, remember, a lot of guys say they don't want to be there. Their star wide receiver says he didn't want to be there. They had to tag him. And finally, he's like, all right, I'll sign the stupid thing. Let's, we'll work something out. Akeem Hicks, before recently, when he's like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to stay a bear, he wanted out. It's only until now when all his options are dried up and he realized if I don't get a contract soon, I may never get a big one, especially if I get hurt or my talent falls off. So he wants that last big check and he knows the Bears are the last place to get it. Plus, as I said, kind of a PR thing. If one of your best defensive players and a guy that the city of Chicago loves deeply says, I want to retire a Chicago Bear and you don't pay that man, they are going to crucify you. But a lot of guys said they want out, right? I talked about Long, the guy that retired Somebody asked him, would you ever come back? And he said, as long as it's not with the Chicago Bears, yes. That's the one team you refuse to come back to. This guy with the YouTube channel. He even said, he's had guys on his show, Chicago Bear guys like Olin Kruitz, and he named a few other guys who said pace is terrible. These guys are terrible at leading people. So this whole thing is a mess. And the guys that are there are unhappy. And they've created this disaster. And what he said made so much sense. Think about this for a minute. There, as he said, there's so much buzz in Chicago. And I've even said it's kind of silly, because it is. But I get it, right? You're excited because this is it. This is our moment. You have to play off of that. You absolutely have to. And so I would, I would go so far as to say my number one goal, and this isn't true for the Packers. Packer fans don't care. There are, there are, there are like four total Packer fans that are mad that Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. Doesn't matter. But when you're talking about Chicago... And everybody, for the first time in a long time, is so unbelievably excited. Your number one goal should be to put Justin Fields out there and Andy Dalton, to some extent, right? But but these guys need to be out there, and they need to succeed. The Chicago Bears fans have a taste of something real, that things are about to change. But it's not just the fans, it's your players. And most importantly, it's Justin Fields. I know this is a Packers podcast, but bear with me, because listen, the the level of success that the Bears have... Has, have, have, as, as, has a direct relation to the happiness in your life. And what I'm saying is, there's a lot of things going wrong for the Bears right now that are going to cause problems. Just like doing the wave during the Packer game could cause problems and cause a hindrance to them succeeding. They may have drafted a good quarterback, but they may get in their own way and cause him to fail. Similar to what happened with Trubisky. And granted, maybe most of that is Trubisky's fault, but it's also possible that he goes somewhere else and can succeed. He seemed pretty good with Buffalo, after all. By the way, side note, if you're going to send somebody a message that you just found out if your kid is a boy or a girl and then you leave him hanging, that's rude. So, my half-Mexican lawyer, Blaine, sent me a GIF telling me whether it was a boy or a girl. Here's the GIF he sent. This is how cruel he is. It's a banner... The gif is a banner, and it says, it's a boy. But there's a lady on there. I think it's from Friends or whatever. You know, the, the blonde, uh, ditzy one. I didn't watch that show. I don't remember her name. She writes, not. So it says, after she writes, it's not a boy, but maybe he didn't notice the not. Maybe he just searched, it's a boy, in the gifs, and didn't realize she wrote not. So I said, it's not a boy, 16,000 question marks, and then he doesn't respond. Rude. Rude. I'm sorry. I thought we were friends. I thought we were cool like that. I thought you could at least answer your phone and be like, dude, it's a, it's a girl, it's a boy, whatever. I guess we're not close like that. I guess you want to spend time with your family after you just found out if you're having a boy or a girl. You want to hang out with your wife and your kids and your mom and celebrate, whatever, bro. Thought we were tight. It's cool. Anyways, what are we talking about? I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, right. So it's it's very important that we talk about the bears a little bit. They basically have. Both of their starting quarterbacks, you got your starting quarterback who you promised would start, and I don't know why, Andy Dalton, and you have the guy that Chicago is the most excited about that they've been in decades, and you put them both out there and set them up to fail. Think about this. He listed a bunch of guys that didn't play. You have some of your best players along your offensive line, and most importantly, wide receivers that are not playing. And you look and say, well, yeah, I mean, so, so do the Packers. Dude, you're starting, you're starting quarterback, and you're starting Justin Fields, who's injured, by the way. He's fighting through an injury to go out there and play, and you pull his offensive linemen and his wide receivers to go out there and just get annihilated. On top of that, you know who else I noticed was out there? Khalil frickin' Mack. There's no rhyme or reason to why you're putting certain guys out and certain guys not. What you need to do is play off of this to get the city of Chicago 100% behind you, to get the owners of the, the franchise behind you, because they want you fired, basically, right? You've got one last chance to prove you're not a complete abject failure. The city of Chicago already despises you, but is willing to give you another opportunity, because now you've drafted the quarterback. you got the guy that we want. You drafted us a tackle. We're so excited about all these guys. Show me. Lie to me. Prove it to me. Give it to me. But not only that, again, Justin Fields... Give him the confidence. He's already walking around with swagger. He's going to the media like, dude, the NFL's slow. Like this Compared to college, there's nothing, man. He's got swagger. He's got confidence. He's got great arm. All the hype in training camp. Everybody's pumping up. He looks great. He looks great. He looks great. And he goes on national television and gets embarrassed. And you got some people that are Bears fans on Twitter trying to defend him. Like, he looked great. He looks so good. He... It's not true. Everybody that watched it knows it's not true. Justin Fields knows it's not true. The statistics are telling you it's not true. How hard would it be to, to put your starting unit out there against a, a large portion of bro- uh, of Bills players that are backups and just annihilate them? Play it as though it's the Super Bowl. I'm not kidding. I would be pulling out trick plays. I would make I would decimate my goal. It would be the Super Bowl. That first drive Again, if we, were, if we were intelligent and we really wanted to do this properly, Justin Fields, we would have never promised Andy Dalton anything. I would have come out and I would have said, we're going to give Justin Fields the first crack this time around. Right? He didn't win the job. We're just mixing it up. We're going to put him out there with the starters. We're going to see what happens. I'm putting all my starters out there. I'm going to give him like maybe a quarter, and he's going to have every piece of the arsenal starting running backs, starting wide receivers, starting tight ends, starting offensive line, and I'm going to play these drives like it's the freaking Super Bowl. I'm going to pull out every trick play that I know in the book, and we are going to march down the field, and we're going to score touchdowns effortlessly. We're going to get 10 yards per, per play. We're going to pick this team apart like it's not even there. I don't care if we're giving away a couple plays because I want so much hype and confidence. I want the national media to say, watch out for the Bears. They're winning the North. I've never seen anything like it. They're they're already doing that, and the guy's not even doing anything. It doesn't matter if you come out with all your starters against backups, and these are trick plays, and these are silly nonsense plays. Nobody's going to care. You're going to get all that hype, and Chicago's going to be behind you, and Justin Fields is going to be into it, and instead, what do you do? You put your starting quarterback out there with a bunch of backups. You pull all his weapons, and you let him go out there and get annihilated. And I'm coming at this from the exact opposite perspective of our friends over at The Tape Doesn't Lie or whatever it is. I'm coming at it from the perspective of, this is awesome. This is great. Well, They're, they're botching this. They're, they're, they're systematically hacking away at Justin Fields' kneecaps. He's standing strong. He has the backing of the city, of the owners, of the media. Everybody is supporting the Chicago Bears who have earned no re- There's no reason for them to have any support. They've done nothing to prove that they're a team that, that has the ability to evaluate talent and to pick the right quarterback and to, even if they have the right quarterback, to do anything with them. But for whatever reason, they're behind you. And you're just, just sitting there hacking away, just taking them out at the knees. Nope, Dalton's our starter. They freaking got booed. And just like you said, that's on the head coach. That's his fault. You put out your starting quarterback, for some reason is Andy Dalton, which is already depressing Bears fans. It makes us excited. We're so happy about it. But but we're sitting, you're being laughed at. Do you understand how happy Packer fans were to sit back and listen as, as what, 70,000, 60,000 Bears fans are booing their own team in the second week of the preseason? As Andy freaking Dalton is struggling to move the offense down the field against backup Buffalo Bills. And then the next game, we watch Kurt freaking Bankert, who's our third string quarterback, march down the field. And then when they didn't, who cares? It's not our starters. You had your starting quarterback, your superstar, play into the fourth quarter and got embarrassed. And embarrassed by who? Mitchell freaking Trubisky. This is the worst ever scenario. And it largely could have been avoided. Because even though Khalil Mack's out there, you pulled a bunch of other guys. You should have been out there just attacking. You guys know Mitch Trubisky. You know everything about Mitch Trubisky. If there's one team on this planet that should have been able to embarrass Mitch Trubisky, it's the Chicago Bears. Because you not only have the talent, you have the insight into the guy. I've heard, I think it was actually on that exact podcast. I listened a little bit further, but... The guy was saying, how do you attack? You got to put pressure on him. We didn't put any pressure on him because they're pulling all their guys. Roquan Smith didn't play a single snap, but Khalil Mack did. Why? 13 snaps for Khalil Mack. Why is he out there? Eddie Jackson played 33 snaps. Now I've, I've said the guy's slightly overrated, right? He's not elite like everybody says he is. He's a very good safety. He's the best safety you have on the team. He's one of the best defenders. And at that rate, one of the best players you have on your team. He played almost the entire game. Only one guy played more snaps than your starting safety, Eddie Jackson. Why? And Roquan played zero. What is is the rhyme or reason to any of this? Is there any thought that goes into this? And again, this is what I'm trying to get you excited about. Because at the end of the day, in my mind anyways, it's just a matter of do they have the right accumulation of talent to actually be a threat? It goes deeper than that, though. They might have the talent. Justin Fields might be the guy, but they're so incompetent. This is an embarrassment. This is not good if you're a Bears fan. Because if this is the guy, they're about to ruin it. You better fire him in fast and find somebody competent that knows what they're doing. This doesn't make any sense. Akeem Hicks was out there for eight snaps. I don't know why. And why eight? I don't know. Just felt like eight, I guess. Danny Trevathan and Roquan, maybe they're hurt. I don't know. But neither of those guys played a single snap. (laughs) Why? I don't... Again, it made me happy, and um, it is a very good and important insight into the Chicago Bears because it goes deeper than just, do they have the talent? Gee, golly, Willickers I hope they don't because we might be in trouble. This is a disaster of a franchise. And and he even went so far, and this wasn't even something I was aware of, of going over how horrific of a play caller he is. I mean, th- th- tell me, am I the only one that when I heard him talking about the routes, and <laughs> he said they put a a chair in there for all the curls that they do. Like, a you know, you got the little curl chair or whatever with the curl bar or whatever it is. I don't know if it has a name or if it's just a curl chair. But it's just curls, curls, curls. Did Am I the only one that that remind you of the Mike McCarthy days where you know the plays they're going to call? There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, I'm going to call this and I'm going to call this and we'll see what happens and hopefully they can go win. Does that sound like a franchise that has the ability, even if they drafted a good quarterback? What is the upside here? What is it? What What is the best case scenario for that? Makes me happy. I mean, it, it, final thing. I've beaten this to death, but it, it just it made me happy and I wanted to make you happy. Um, there's a reason, as I've said a thousand times, there's a reason why, despite the fact that the NFL is built to pull the bottom teams up and pull the top teams down by the way that it's structured, with the salary cap to the draft order to all that stuff, it's built on a system to for parity, Right. There's a reason why some teams live on the bottom and others live on the top, and it's not about talent. I mean, it is, but it's, it's not. There's a reason why some teams can't accumulate talent, and even when they had it, have it, they don't know what to do with it. There has to be some level of competence in the, in the front office, from the ability to find free agents and not waste resources, like paying too much for guys that aren't that good, the ability to draft so you can build for the future and build a sustainable roster, the ability to call plays, the ability to structure a team, but also all the way down to this kind of stuff. How you structure your 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 practices, how you structure your preseason, who's playing and why, what is our thought process here? What is our goal? What are we trying to achieve? There's no coherent plan in those snap counts. None. I, I never really thought about the Bears as a, as a flat-out joke disaster, but I guess I don't know why. They've been a terrible franchise for a long time. They need, I said it before, they needed to do what the Lions did. Fire, Pace, and Nagy start over. And, and listen, I think Nagy or Pace, no, uh, yeah, Pace. I get them confused now, They're blending together. I think Pace does a decent job of, of finding the right talent. But it's just, it's a disaster. At the very least, Nagy needs to go, and there needs to be some new way of running this franchise. Because it's just a disaster at this point. We're going to take a break. If you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, palmerhome.org. There's links out there. Or just reach out to me if you'd like to support them. And congratulations to uh, Blaine and his family on their new baby girl. We just got confirmation on that. So that's very, very exciting. They got two boys. Just, you know, see, that happens all the time, too, where you got the two boys and both or at least the mom really wants the girl or vice versa. You got a bunch of girls and you really want that boy and it just doesn't happen. Almost every time I've seen it, it just doesn't happen. So it's like, I don't think it's going to, you know, but there you go. Got the girl living the dream. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So US Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get ten percent off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com/slash-packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer! Ten percent off a four hundred dollars slab pack—that's forty bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com/slash-packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase.
0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: All right, I really hate to beat this to death, and I'm, I'm going to give this about two minutes and we're going to move on, but uh, Wayne posted in the, the Facebook group just now about the the cheering thing. Um, essentially, in summary, what he's saying is, first of all, calling people old. He says they're not that old. It's probably people in their 50s saying, sit down. Fair enough. It's old to me. It, it's kind of beyond the point, right? That's sort of the general thought process from people who go there more often, is that it's the older crowd that are the sit-down crowd. I don't know. I got yelled at by older people. The one time I went and I stood up and it was annoying. If it's young people, old people, it doesn't matter. It's, it's about behavior. It's not about ageism or racism or sexism or whatever. It doesn't matter. Don't do that. Um, he talks about making noise in general. He says he feels as though it's sort of a, the team has to earn our support, which I think to some degree is true. And I think that's true across all fan bases, right? You can tell when things are either really important or the team's really doing well, then you cheer more. And maybe it's more so with the Packers where if you're doing well, because remember, this is one of the interesting things about Packer fans is a lot of fan bases. Apparently when your team is up by 30, they start leaving. That's when we start going nuts, right? We love that. So maybe it's a little bit more on our end than other fan bases, but that's not entirely what I'm talking about. Right Again, for me anyways, because it, it is a little unfair to say you have to scream the entire, I, I lost my voice, I didn't scream the entire game. But there should be some level of excitement and participation and a very basic understanding that you do not make noise when they're on offense, you do or at least allow people to make noise when they're on defense. That's basically the, the crux of what I'm saying. If you and I even said if you don't want to participate, that's fine, you just don't tell people to stop doing it. And then the other issue that I had specifically was, It took so long for people to get excited. Nobody ever cheered or went nuts on first down. Nobody ever cheered or went nuts on second down. It was third down and it was usually really late. So at the end of, so I learned like, don't even bother getting up on first and second. You're not allowed. But as soon as second down was done, I got up and I'm like, all right, let's go. And I started yelling and nobody wanted to participate. Nobody else wanted to get up. And then finally, when they broke the huddle and got got to the line of scrimmage, then people started to slowly start. And it was such a slow buildup. There was almost no noise. So, and again, that's sort of beside the point. I think that could be, should be better, especially as younger and younger people go, all right, if we're going to make this an old young thing, fine. If you don't like the old people telling you to sit down, fine. Then go there and start making noise. Whatever. It doesn't, but it doesn't matter. Even if you don't want to make noise, again, that's not really the core is- issue here. The core issue is very simply, don't do the wave. Don't make noise when they're on offense. Make noise or at least allow people to make noise on defense. That's it. And as far as the wave, he says that's an entirely different group of people. It's primarily young people who just want to go hang out and say, "Hey, I went to a game." Like it's uh I always think of the wave as sort of what do you call that? minor league baseball, I guess, you know, where they have all these other activities. You go to a minor league baseball game, not because you care about the team, but it's just all the fun stuff. They got the t-shirt cannons and they, the hot dogs and the the games and all these different kinds of fun things. It's it's a fun environment. And the wave is just one of those things. Again, I don't know. I don't know about the age. Doesn't really matter. But this is his thing saying and it uh, starts uh, well below his seats where, where he sits. So it's not uh, season ticket holders. It's younger people down below, whatever. People in their 20s. He says they're not watching the game at all. Their goal is to be able to tell their buddies they got to the stadium and do the wave. Typically it's in the third quarter. It doesn't matter to them what the score is. Again, the particulars aren't important. The coaching staff and the team are begging you to please do not do the wave when it's on off. I don't care if you're season, take it holder, I don't care if you're 90, 40, 60, 25. All well, the kids, I'm not mad at the kids. The parents just be like, "No, no, guys, we're not going to participate. They're dumb, we're not." Right? that's called parenting. So that's it. That's the whole thing. Very simple rules. Do not do the wave on offense. Do not make no noise, like a lot of noise, screaming, cheering. Obviously, you can talk and participate. The quieter, the better, but no screaming, whatever. When the team is on offense, on defense, your goal should be to make noise at all times. I mean, when they're in the huddle. That was the other thing. You don't wait until after they're out of the huddle because they, sh- if they can't hear in the huddle, that causes problems. But if you don't feel like it, if your throat hurts, you're just not into it, that's fine. But let the, the 25-year-old who's rip-roaring drunk Let him scream. Do not tell him to be quiet. Do not tell him to sit down. Just don't do that. And let's see if we can build up that culture. All right, if you can't do it all the time, fine. Take a couple plays off. But if the whole stadium is doing that and taking a couple plays off and you alternate when the plays are, you don't have to coordinate that. You just stop when you feel like stopping. It's going to be a very loud stadium. That's all I'm saying. I don't care about the particulars. But anyways, thank you, uh, Wayne, for your insights into that as somebody that goes to a lot of games. Again, I, I don't really care who's doing what as far as what type of people they are. It's just, it's it's very basic bad behavior that shouldn't be happening, and that's it. All right, took way too much time, but fortunately it's a daily podcast, so we'll be all right. Anyways, um, I'm trying to think, because now we're a little short on time, what I want to do. JJ had reached out. Um, I think I kind of touched on it, but maybe not as in-depth as he would have liked. Um, he wanted a little bit more of an update specifically on how our draft prospects are doing. And now that we've got two games in, We kind of touched on some of these guys, but we'll go through it. And I want to look at them in relation to how they're doing with other rookies or within their position group or whatever. And maybe that's just what we'll do today. Again, it's not exactly where I wanted to go, but we're already an hour into this. (laughs) Not an hour, but whatever. So, um, all right, how should we... Let's go uh, pick by pick. So we'll start with Eric Stokes. As of right now, again, Eric Stokes, only 12 snaps, it looks like, in... um, in two games, so not a lot. But he is currently ranked 40th. Why does it keep doing that? 40th out of 57, which isn't super high. But again, it's a 56 overall grade, so it's basically average. Um, There aren't a ton of guys that are super great. There's only 14 out of the 57 that have a good grade right now. Patrick Sertan, whatever, is kind of the only one that was an early pick. Greg Newsome, for example, again, another guy that was very popular for a lot of Packer fans wanted, is 54th out of 57 right now. He's uh, really struggling. But again, he also, 12 opportunities so far. So Um, again, not a lot to go on. He has so far in total for the preseason, three targets, two receptions, 28 yards. Longest reception against him was 24 yards. Uh, One forced incompletion, one pass breakup, so that kind of goes hand in hand. That forced incompletions aren't always pass breakups, but I'm assuming all pass breakups are forced incompletions. Uh, 96.5 passer rating when targeted. He has two tackles, and that's about it. Second round pick Josh Myers right now is, of all 2021 centers drafted, probably not super surprising to you, number one overall, because he is a offensive lineman that the Packers picked. I mean, (laughs) it just comes with the territory. Um... So there are there are kind of a decent amount of them, so it's not a very small sample size, but it's not as big as corner, obviously. There's only 15 of them, um, but he has a 78 overall grade over two weeks, 26 opportunities, so it's not that small of a sample size, 11 run blocking, 15 pass blocking. Um, Landon Dickerson, I think, went before him. He's not on this list. He maybe is playing guard. I'm not entirely sure where he is, but he's not here. And uh, Josh Myers was the second one picked. Creed Humphrey was the very next pick by the Kansas City Chiefs. Creed Humphrey is currently ranked fourth, also doing quite well, 75.4. So there's four guys that are doing well, and then there's a big drop-off after Creed Humphrey. So Josh Myers is number one, 78.8. Cole Banwart by the Tennessee Titans. No idea who that is, 76.3. Quinn Miners of uh, UW-Dub, 75.7. Awesome to see him doing so well. And then Creed Humphrey is fourth at a 75. And it drops to a 67 overall. So it, it falls off quite a bit. The other exciting thing, of the four guys that are doing well, three of them grade out competently as run blocking and pass blocking. Cole Banwart has a 25 pass blocking grade. But Josh Myers, seventy-seven. Run blocking grade, he's the third highest. Cole Banwart and Creed Humphrey rank better as far as run blocking. Pass blocking, number one is Creed Humphrey. Number two is Josh Myers. I don't know how Creed Humphrey ranks higher in both run blocking and pass blocking, but lower overall. There must be some other stuff going on that I don't know. I don't know how that works. I know I've asked that question before. Um, and I don't I don't remember what the answer was. But uh so far Josh Myers given up zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries. Penalties. That's what it is. Creed Humphrey has a penalty. Josh Myers does not. So anyways, um 26 reps, all of them at center. He's doing great. Number one center in the NFL right now as far as 2021 draft picks. Playing fine. Love to see it. Looking at Amari Rogers, and I'm going to sort this by receiving grade because there's a lot of things that you can do. So just looking at receiving grade, um, Amari Rogers ranks 31st out of 49. So he's actually right about, it's pretty close to in the middle. I know he's further down than in the middle, but he's got a 59.2, very similar to Eric Stokes being, you know what? No, I'm sorry. It's 58.3, 60.0 overall grade. Um, it's fine. He's, he's right in the middle. Obviously we know from watching him, that's about right. You know, he does some things well, but there's just, he just doesn't quite have it right now. So we'll see where that goes, but he's kind of right in the middle. Um, dead last is the guy that I've kind of been picking on a little bit, again, for the sake of perspective. But Jamar Chase is 49th out of 49. So again, there's going to be a lot of people who look at and go bust, trash, they probably won't because they liked the Josh Meyer pick. But generally, that's a thing that very negative people like to do. They're so mad because he's not producing. Imagine how mad you would be if you picked Jamar Chase. Where did he get picked? He was in the top five, wasn't he? Let me check real quick. He was, yeah, he was fifth the fifth overall pick at wide receiver, one of the highest picked wide receivers in a very long time. He's dead last among all wide receivers. Again, perspective. Um, By the way, he is ahead of Tylan Wallace. He is ahead of who else? Oh, Devontae Smith. (laughs) Devontae Smith is right now 40th. Jalen Waddell is 41st. So there's a lot of guys that um, should be much higher and are not right now. We just got to see and rondale moore must have had a pretty bad day because he was by far number one he dropped off to 10th it's early that's that's the point it's early we got to see what happens not a lot of super impressive guys Uh, rondale moore was the one early guy that seemed super promising and again he just completely dropped off i think let me check his grades because that's kind of surprising how much he fell week one he is in arizona cardinal come on obviously i want preseason grades you dummy yeah 84 overall grade in the first week he was the number one ranked wide receiver Week two against Kansas City, 59 overall grade. So that completely fell off. So he's grading out his average. It is what it is. He's about average among rookies. He's average, average, average so far. Fourth round pick, Royce Newman. I think you know where we're going with this one. Uh, again, mid round offensive lineman. He was a tackle in college, but obviously we're playing him at guard. He is the um, second highest graded offensive lineman. There is one guy that hasn't beat right now a guy by the name of Jacob Capra, who is a Green Bay Packer. <laughs> The two highest graded guards that are from the 2021 draft class are both Green Bay Packers. Remember when I said the other day, and I don't even remember what they were talking about. I think it might, oh, it was. So after week one, Royce Newman graded out, I think is the highest graded interior offensive lineman in all of whatever. And somebody commented below that that was not a Packer fan, basically saying something to the effect of, here we go again with this freaking Packers and these offensive linemen. They always find these diamond in the rough mid-round guys. Here we go again. The number one center of all rookies in the entire draft class is Josh Myers. The number one guard is Jacob Capra, who is an undrafted free agent from 2021. The number two guard, Royce Newman, fourth round pick, Green Bay Packers. Now, do I expect Capra to stay at the top? and do I? No, but still, Royce Newman is number two, only beat out by... So, so even if Capra is a fluke, that's fine. We're still on top. Uh, some other guys that are doing well. Wyatt Davis is fourth, just slightly below him. Trey Smith, another highly touted guy, is fifth. Who else we got here that looks? Uh, Jake Jackson Carmen. I don't know where he went, but I remember he was kind of. I think Clemson is that where he's from. Uh, yes, Clemson. He was a second round pick, so yeah, he is not doing quite so well. He's fifteenth overall, fifty nine overall grade. Um, Who else is in here that was a highly touted guy? Aaron Banks, I know, but I think he was a later-round guy. The name sounds familiar. No, he was a second-round. San Francisco 49er second-round pick Aaron Banks has a 29 overall grade with a zero pass-blocking grade. So uh, Royce Newman in two preseason games, 61 snaps, by the way. It's not like two preseason games where he's played 30 times. 61. 29 times as a run blocker. 32 times as a pass blocker. Zero sacks. Zero hits. Zero hurries. If we look at his run blocking grade, he is second highest behind uh, Capra, 83.4 overall. His pass blocking grade is ninth, but still a 72.4. So he has an 83 overall run blocking grade and a 72 pass blocking grade. Um, He and Wyatt Davis, I think, he, Wyatt Davis, and Jack Anderson are the only three offensive linemen right now that have a positive run blocking and pass blocking grade from the 2021 class. Um... At the guard position. Let me get rid of 2021 and just see where he ranks in the entire... Ah, that there's too many guys here. How many guys do we have now? There's just way too many. Well, no, there's... Jeez, why do you take the number away every time? Uh, 155. So that's way too many. And there's a ton of guys that just are ranked really high. Royce Newman is eighth of 155. Capra uh, is fourth out of 155. And so the rest of these guys are all obviously veterans. So, so far, not bad, especially offensive linemen, which shouldn't really surprise anyone, I guess. TJ Slayton was our fifth round pick. He's another one that's technically graded out as average, but out of 37 defensive tackles, he is ranked 11th. So not bad at all, 61 overall grade. There are only six guys right now that have a 71 or higher overall grade. Not super surprisingly, we got another one, Mr. Jack Heflin. Mr. Who, where did this guy come from? Jack Heflin, undrafted free agent by the Green Bay Packers, is ranked sixth overall. But uh, TJ Slayton so far, three pressures, which actually, if we sort by pressure, again, making me look stupid saying that this guy's not a pass rusher at 340 freaking pounds. Is uh, tied with uh, Chris Tonga. Chris? Kai Kai-ira? Whatever. Mr. Tonga with uh, tied for third with three with Tonga. Whatever. You figure out the sentence. Um, Louder Milk and Odigizua have five. He is tied for third place with three pressures. Um, he is one of only, looks like, let's see, three, four, five, six guys with a sack from the 2021 class at the defensive tackle position. He also has two hurries on top of that. He has six tackles, which is actually number one. Number two is Jack Heflin with five. <laughs> See, and this, this this is what I'm saying, though. I go through this all the time, and everybody just trashes our GM. You don't understand. You have no perspective. It's crazy. And yeah, well, what about Stokes? I don't know, man. So far, he's mediocre, but who else? Who else has guys at the top all the time? The, the, and I know it's just tackles, but Okay, everything else, everything else I've gone through has been quite good. Nobody's even horrible. This whole class, I mean, the worst we got is what, Amari Rodgers is average? Eric Stokes is average? Oh, no. Eric Stokes, who's played 12 snaps and has a pass breakup. Oh, shucks. (laughs) I don't care. Amari's not a good punt returner. Oh, shucks. Our number six wide receiver, who's taking a redshirt year to learn behind Randall Cobb, is not a star wide receiver as a rookie watch me just cry in my pillow tonight. Number one in tackles is TJ Slate. Number two is Jack Heflin. Well, maybe it's the number of snaps that they had. To Daryl Slayton, in 83 snaps, Jack Heflin at 74. The guy in third place with five tackles, Osa Digizua, 123. The guy in fourth place, Quentin Bohannon, 97. The guy after that, 87. Every single one of these guys has more snaps, yet less tackles. Um, T.J. Slayton has zero misses. Jack does have one. uh, Stops, if we look at total stops. Number one was six stops, so every single one of his tackles so far this year has been a stop, which makes a little bit more sense for defensive tackles, but um, it doesn't always have to be a stop. If you get pushed backwards and tackle a guy going backwards, it's not a stop. You failed. I mean, it can be, but generally it's not going to be six, and he leads everybody. Jack Heflin is third with four. If we break down their grades based on specifically what they do, um you've got let's see jack heflin is ninth as a run defender so far and let's see carlo kemp by the way is in here 15th overall as a run defender where's my guy at where are you at oh tj slayton is 12th tackling grades tj slayton number one which shouldn't surprise anybody considering he leaves the defensive tackle class and tackles and stops pass rush people are going to be mad but no he doesn't grade out very well as a pass rusher jack heflin is our top pass rushing grade he is uh, graded out as 11th. After that, we have Carlo Kemp 17th, and then T.J. Slayton at 18th. But none of them really bad. T.J. Slayton's pass rush grade is a 60.8, so they're all average or above average. Fifth round pick Shamar Jean Charles, which somebody gave me—I got to go find it on Twitter—a pronunciation sheet. And on that sheet from the Green Bay Packers, it says his name is pronounced John. I'm sorry, I heard the man say his name is Jean calling him Gene. Every announcer that went to App State called him Gene. He calls his name Gene. I think this is a, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that this is a uh, Tanyan problem, where everybody, I think including the team, said his name was Tanyan until he came out and he's like, it's actually Tanyan, but it's fine. But anyways, as we head back to corner to explore this one, Mr. Shammy Gene Charles is actually... 22nd. So he's kind of flying under the radar. I think we kind of, and it's one of those things where cornerback, you don't want to hear his name. And I think there's been a couple times, especially in week one where I was like, yeah, that wasn't the best outing in the world. 22nd out of, what did I say? 500 billion corners. Um, Again, the stupid thing. Uh, 56. So 22nd out of 50, it's pretty good, man. Especially on a, on a late round kind of a guy, 178th overall. This is, this is strictly coverage grade, by the way. But uh, Shamar Jean Charles, so far, seven targets, five receptions. And again, I think that's where we kind of look at him and it's like, that ain't great, man. People are catching a lot of passes against this guy. But he's been out there 42 times, right? Remember, uh, three targets, two receptions for Stokes, who's been out there 12 times. 42 times, seven targets, five receptions. In fact, he is, let's see, 10th in terms of targets, and he is tied for eighth in terms of reception. So it's, it's up there a little bit as far as how much he gets thrown at. But um, in terms of yardage, only 44 yards, uh, 37 yards after the catch. Average depth of target is 1.6 yards, so obviously he's getting picked on with these tiny little... I mean, average depth of target is less than two yards. So it's it's bubble screens and nonsense little slants, which most slants, I would think, by the time you catch the ball, is uh, more than two yards down the field. So that's that's staggering. Longest reception against him was only 17 yards. He does have one forced incompletion so far, one pass breakup. NFL pass rating 87.8 right now. Snaps per target 4.9, uh, which ranks uh, low, whatever. Um, and he has two tackles and one assisted tackle. So he's he's doing fine. Coverage grade, I, I don't know if I said it, but a 64.6. So average, he's fine. Sixth round pick, Mr. Cole Van Lanen out of Wisconsin, 214 overall. So again, we looked at centers, number one. We looked at guards, number one and two. We come over now to tackle, and Cole Van Lannan, believe it or not, out of 32 2021 selections is sixth overall. Sixth out of 32. He is ahead of Dylan Radoons. He is ahead of Walker Little. He is ahead of Spencer Brown. He is ahead of Rashawn Slater he is ahead of Alaric Jackson, he is ahead of Brady Christensen, he is ahead of Alex Leatherwood, he is ahead of Larry Borum, the Chicago Bears pick, he is ahead of uh, Penny Sewell, <laughs> he is ahead of Jalen Mayfield, um, he's ahead of pretty much all of them with the exception of, let's see, who who are the big name guys here? Liam Eikenberg, Landon, or excuse me, and Samuel Cosme, and that's it. So again, not bad. 53 total snaps. He's given up zero sacks, zero hits, and zero hurries so far. 27 snaps. He's played at left guard. 26 at right tackle. And despite playing on the left side at guard and on the right side at tackle, which I would think is quite a confusing thing to do, he's pulled it off to be number six overall among every single tackle that was drafted or brought in in 2021. For run blocking specifically, He ranks ninth with a 72 overall grade. Pass blocking, Cole Van Lannen out of Wisconsin ranks 11th, 69.7. So basically right at 70 for both. And again, a 74.3 overall grade. Moving on to my guy, Mr. Isaiah McDuffie. Surprisingly, again, not terrible. Um, As much as we want to invest in early round guys, it just makes it more disappointing when late round guys do even better than early round guys. But out of 41 people selected in 2021, he ranks 14th, 69.6 overall grade, right out of 70. So he's actually grading out as good right now. Uh, Micah Parsons is number one. So that's one of the few times when, as I've said, these early guys typically are doing a bad job. Micah Parsons in Dallas is killing it right now. Um, Let's see, who else was kind of a big name here? Jabril Cox, the guy I really liked, is seventh overall. Uh, Jok eighth overall, and then it's and then it's pretty much Isaiah McDuffie. Uh, guys that are not doing quite so well. Nick Bolton is lower. Tough Borland is lower. Who else? Patty Fisher. I think he kind of went kind of late. But Zayvon Collins, who is a real big name for a lot of people. And again, these guys might end up being great, but he's thirtieth out of forty-one right now. Um, and Davis, thirty-three. Out of 41, he was extremely popular among Packer fans. I think that's another death knell. When Packer fans really liked the guy, uh, Jamin Davis and Zaven Collins were two of the really, really very well-liked linebackers, and they're not doing very well. But uh, yeah, McDuffie's doing fine. And again, he's, he's not going up against the greatest competition, but I'm struggling to find anybody that's just terrible. At, at worst, some guys are average. That's at worst. And again, now we're late round, Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker, 14th. Not bad. Uh, statistically, he doesn't have any pressures, which makes sense because he hasn't been sent on any blitzes. But he does have three tackles. He has two stops of those three tackles. He has zero missed tackles so far. Um, he's never been targeted in coverage, despite being in coverage six times. So that's I see that as a positive. Um, just, I mean... Doing fine. 19 snaps. Never really been gashed. Never really got anything bad. He's fine. He's good. I like it. Happy. Good times. Good vibes. Digging it, grooving it, rocking it. And that leads us to Kylan Hill. Hmm. Wonder wonder how he's doing. Let's take a look-see. Among, how many we got here? 32 running backs that were picked up in 2021. Kylan Hill is, let me see, as far as rushing grades go, where where is he? I can't find him. Oh, there he is at the very top. Seventh round pick by the Green Bay Packers, Kylan Hill, number one running back. Now, overall, he's not. He's second. Larry Roundtree's got him. Shucks. Larry Roundtree, seven snaps, eight attempts. Darn it, that guy. But um, if you go based on rushing, Kylan is number one. And again, if you don't want to, it doesn't matter. Number number two is fine with me. But... um, Kylan Hill is currently running better than um, Javante Williams in Denver. Kenneth Gainwell in Florida. Um, Who else has a big name here? Uh, Jeez, you really got to go down. Najee Harris is 13th. Um, Jamar Jefferson, I know, was popular with uh, Detroit folks and talked about him. I can't even... Who else was a big name here? I don't know. Oh, Travis Etienne. You got to go way to the bottom. Travis Etienne, 29th. Trey Sermon. 30th. Chuba Hubbard, 31st. Spencer Brown, 32nd, dead last. So they're all congregating in the bottom, while Kylan Hill is better than everybody. And again, it's just two preseason games. I get it, maybe, in the regular season. The guys that are really bad in preseason are going to be great, and the guys that are, you know, great like Kylan Hill are going to be terrible. I don't know, but um, not the worst thing in the world. But um, statistics for Kylan Hill in two games, 12 attempts, 27 yards, only a 2.3 average, but one touchdown. 3.42 3.42 yards after contact five missed tackles forced 12 yards is his longest one carry over 10 yards. Um, 10 of his carries 10 of his 12 carries were zone running only two were gap. obviously we're a very heavy zone team. Uh, some a lot of teams are but not quite to that proportion. Uh, let's see what else we got here of interest receiving has a 55 overall grade which is probably why he's a little bit lower. Past blocking grade is an 80, which is staggering. Four targets, three reception, 33 yards. And then, of course, the 136.7 elusiveness grade puts him fourth in that category. So anyways, way over time, way past my bedtime. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.